are listening to Always Learning, Always Teaching, where business leaders share how they practice business as a force for good. This radio show and podcast is brought to you by the Mac 6 Entrepreneurial Center. And now let's lean in with Kyle and Scott McIntosh as they learn with today's valued guests. Live with Always Learning, Always Teaching. I'm Kyle McIntosh here with my co-host, business partner and dad, Scott McIntosh. We are ready to learn from business leaders who incorporate long-term win-wins for all of their stakeholders. Today, we are excited to introduce you to Don Richardson, founder of Arizona Fireplaces and AF Steel Distributors. First, good to see you, Dad. Good to see you, Kyle. Always fun to do this. Yeah. And uh, welcome, Don. Kyle Scott, great to be here. Great to see you, Don. So the way we like to kick this off, first question, I guess, is interested about you just as a uh, Don the guy. Where did you grow up and uh, how did you get from there to where you sit today? Well, real quick, uh, from Pomona, California, which is uh, a, well, saying it's a lower middle class uh, area has given it a lot of credit. And uh, I was lucky enough to go to Cal Lutheran where I met my wife, but uh, start off business I was so married for you two years, two boys, and been in Phoenix since 1980. And one of those stories where you start a business out of your garage with not an overly good business plan. <laughs> How else would you start, Don? <laughs> go make it happen. So anyway, that from that was 1980, and uh, um, so here we are, as, you know, out of the garage, and now we're over 300 employees and a business that I never thought that we would be dealing with. But uh, it's a lot of fun. So tell us a little bit about what is Arizona Fireplaces, just for anybody listening that has no idea. Well, uh, quickly, Arizona Fireplaces, we uh, uh, supply and install fireplaces for the um, building trade here in uh, in Phoenix. And then the AF Distributor part is a distribution company, an offshoot of that, that uh, since we're fairly large, we supply fireplaces and equipment and barbecues to other dealers throughout Arizona, New Mexico, and Southern California. So that's the Arizona AF, you probably might see or might not, that's the AF part, uh, fireplace part. There's other parts as well. Tell us more. Well, we have uh, uh, some brands, national brands, uh, Modern Flames Electric Fireplaces, uh, Grand Canyon Gas Logs, which is kind of a funny story. We uh, buying gas logs from factories and they didn't look real. And we're from Arizona and we said, we're going to, cast logs off of Arizona species um, because they're awesome looking and we have them hand painted and people get, because out here in Arizona, a lot of times we're not using our fireplaces and the gas logs are sitting there and they look, the old ones look fake. These look like real wood. So people love them. So that's Grand Canyon gas logs. Of course, Grand Canyon is a good name. People remember that obviously. And then, uh, so that's that part. And then uh, lastly, um, unrelated, but part of the family of businesses is AF Steel Fabricators, um, which we just moved into a new facility off the I-10 Wild Horse Pass, which a lot of people coming into Phoenix will see a, a big LED American flag on the side of the building. You can't miss. It's lit at night. And they'll go, what is that new building? And that's uh, AF Steel Fabricators. And we supply the structural steel and roof structures for a lot of the big warehouses, especially on the 303 on the west side of town and plus a lot of other commercial buildings. And that is a whole nother business that's we can talk about or not. But We'll definitely talk more about that. But if I could ask mm-hmm. a, a question, kind of taking you back to your start, is I've, I've heard the story a few times in the past. So if you, you started off 
selling nuts and bolts or something, <laughs> something like that. And there's a good story that is tell that if you would, is, is doing that. And then you decided to go off on your own and, and jumped off a cliff and into business. And that led to the start of what you were doing that is, just tell that story. Well, the, the quick story is in Southern California, I worked for a family who, uh, invented the plastic collated nail, you know, which back then everyone had hammers and nails and he figured out a way to uh, put plastic on them and put them in a nail gun. And that's where I came from. And they were going to open up a branch out here in Phoenix. And my wife was from Glendale, Arizona. And and I was going to open up that store because I was the trusted guy. And they got in a little financial trouble. And they said, oh, we're not going to open up out there. And I said, well, why don't we, uh, Debbie and I, if we fail, we got our mom and dad, if we won't starve, we'll go over there for, you know, hot dogs or whatever. <laughs> and uh, that was our business plan, which is, of course, you end up getting some help along the way. It's funny. No one, you just don't do it all on your own. Uh, a warehouse opened up. A guy said, hey, you answer this phone as KC Metals, and you answer the other one as uh, Arizona Fasteners Corp, which is still our, our corporate name, and sell nails and staples, and I won't charge you rent for six months. And there's always someone there. And so to not admit that is not being truth truthful or genuine and so uh that got us our start and uh i haven't talked to that gentleman in 20 years i don't know if he's still alive but i would if he was walked in right now i would i would give him a big hug so so whenever that started there to uh um you know where we're at today there's a lot of ups and downs along the way which is how life is life is never perfect and if everyone tells you that they're not telling you the truth either uh, we never went out of business we had struggles in the late 80s and Struggles in 07, 010, cutting back is never a fun thing because um, you want people's lives to be better, but you have to survive and it makes you better at the end. But at the time, it's very, very difficult. So if anyone tells you, oh, yeah, everything is really good and life is, no, there's some hardships along the way. And actually, I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but it does make you stronger, but you certainly do not want to go back there if you don't have to. How did it transition over time? How did you get into fireplaces to begin with? Well, that actually is a pretty interesting story. It's a quick one. I'll make it quick. The uh, So the nails and staples, you know, we go to parties. And my wife, you know, friends would say, what do you do for a living? Well, I sell nails. Well, I wasn't really the hot spot of a party. But uh, so they would quickly go away and get a drink or something. And I said, I just, maybe I had bad breath or something. But no, that's not altogether true. What happened is we supply nails and staples and framing hardware to the framers. Well. Our nickname for him was Have Skills All Will Travel, which means because they didn't have any working capital. And so in order for them to pay us for our nails, they'd have to get paid um, from the home builder or general contractor. Well, they couldn't get the framing final because the last thing that goes in a on a framed house is this fireplace. But they had no control over that. So they said, Don, we can't pay you for your nails until we get the framing final. And we can't get the framing final until that stupid fireplace company He's behind on his install. So they said, but if you get involved with fireplaces and you install them, which you know you're going to install them in time because you need to get paid, and we'll hook you up with the uh, the home builders. So now all of a sudden, uh, AF actually stands for Arizona Fasteners, but it works for Arizona Fireplaces just as well. So in that same time, this is 1990 or a little bit earlier, Home Depot was just coming out. Uh, we were coming out of that late 80 downturn, and we go, you know, this nails... The staple thing isn't quite as glamorous and it's not as fun as this fireplace thing. So we switched and emphasis and uh, and that's where we're at today. Strange story, I know. It's a beautiful entrepreneurial story because this is what 
entrepreneurs do, and and uh, you saw a need. I think I've heard that before. That 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 story is: hey, if I want to get paid for my nails, I better figure out how to install fireplaces. That is not a natural thing you would put into a business plan. But this is what entrepreneurs do: is they figure out a need, and I do what I need to uh, uh, need to do. Where did the grills come from then? Is is that's a fairly large part of the business? Well, that's from the distribution side, and and barbecues are. are interesting thing um, you have to get large quantities of truckloads and that's and it goes along with the builder but really that was more on the two-step that was a little bit later on i guess actually keith my oldest who uh, is actually president of the company my very lucky to have the two boys extremely capable in fact uh, i don't tell them this but they're a lot more capable than me but anyway they're gonna hear it now <laughs> oh rats rats but no they are very very they're good humble hard-working guys um middle linebackers in college so they're they're blue collar hey you, you know, give me the toughest job type guys, and uh, and and I respect them for it. But anyway, Keith does internship for a company called Beef Eater in Australia, which is a Beef Eater barbecue. He came back all passionate on barbecues, and I didn't know anything about them. So that kind of fit with some of the outdoor living movement that was going on. So his influence started the barbecues and that whole thing. Uh, so we are a distributor for most of the major lines of, of barbecues. Um, the only people we don't, uh, there's a couple of brands that we don't, we don't deal with, but, uh, but so all the dealers, the landscapers, the uh, brick and mortar uh, yards will get those from us. And, uh, and so they don't have to buy large quantities of them. They just come and pick them up from us. So let's get into uh, something that you kind of touched on in the, in the beginning here. Um, your uh, steel fabrication plant, where it's located, you talked about the uh, the big flag, but uh, it's a uh, unique relationship with the uh, Gila River Indian community. And and uh, how does that work? I mean, tell us how that came to be, and it's it's a pretty cool story, I think. That- what was what's interesting is that in in 2019, where we we did structural steel, but we're out of space, and and looked in the city of Phoenix, and and they said, hey, there's this property Lone Butte development on the Gila River. It's more of a heavy industrial area, and but you have to lease the land. You can't buy the land. And it just, uh, but you build the building and after 20 years, and there's a 20 year extension, 40 years, which of course I'm not, I'm going to be long gone by then, that the building you can't, it's not your, it's your building, but it's not, you don't own the land. So I had a hard time getting my head around that. Well, anyway, talking to the uh, Lone Butte development, which is an arm of the Gila River uh, Indian community, it's just like like anything in life. You get to you have to get to know somebody on both sides, and there has to be some trust build up. But how you and I didn't know them; they didn't know me. And this wonderful uh, lady who runs it called Esther. We were talking during the final negotiation on the lease, and and she finally um, we looked at each other, and I said, "You know, Esther, I said, it's really important that we we're, we're, we're going to be together for twenty years." And I says, "And we're just a family. We're just a Richardson family. We're not some big corporation. We're not this." And she says, well, we're just like a hundred uh, family community ourselves. And I might be wrong on the hundred families, but we're a small community. And I said, well, basically your family and our family are coming together. And I said, so, and, she, and her eyes clicked and she says, yeah, this is, uh, uh, I want this guy to be a part of our family and he wants us to be a part of his family. So, so all of a sudden that was the foundation ever since then, everything, everything that, when you build a building, some things don't go exactly right. But if they were there, you know, maybe the power didn't go all the way here. They said, Don, we'll cover that. 
or some equipment showed up early and the billing wasn't done, well, we have a place you can store the equipment at, at no charge. That's what you do with family. And so it's, it's an, a, a great human story that, that, you know, that we treat each other with respect. And so it's been a wonderful experience and uh, we're very proud to be out there. And actually they, they said, you know, that building is a little bit bigger than what we thought, but it sure is beautiful and they're proud of it. So they're proud of it. We're proud of it as one family member is proud of the other. So that's, that's just a, that's just a real story. I mean, I can't make that up. Just, just, to drill into that just a little bit is uh, a lot of real estate for a lot of people, a lot of business is very transactional. And there's certainly the transaction side of it. I mean, we're here at uh, Max 6 and we rent spaces. Somebody has to pay us rent and uh, uh, they, they get to use the space. But what you're describing is it's much more than that. And there is still the transaction and you've got, I'm sure, contracts and whatnot. So just as, as you're doing business with Gila, Gila Indian River and whatever, there's a transaction. But uh, just talk more about that relationship and how you really, it's, it's balance, balancing all those things. They, they're not giving you anything. I mean, they kind of are, but they're not. So uh, just talk how you approach uh, business with that uh, balancing the transaction and the and the relationship. Well, first of all, when you when you realize that it's a long term relationship. So if you think about getting married, okay, that's a long term relationship. And and even when you get married, the first part is when you give your personal vows. I know this is getting off subject, but it's 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 really the intentions. So you have to the personal vows. What what it, what is my intention with you? What is your intention with me? Are we going to make a life together? And you have to establish your intentions on a long term relationship. And and once you understand that, hey, we're both going to support each other, we're going to love each other, you know, in the, in the wedding thing, then the, then you can go to the the vows, the I do's, which is really the transactional part. That's the mind. That's that's okay. Now we can come together and a, make it a transaction, and and but you can't get to the transaction before you, the before the intentions. And so the relationship, the intentions, which is really what the story about Esther and me are the. What, what, what are we trying to do here? And, and is it for the, the best interest of both of us? And now we can go finish the transaction. So that's probably the takeaway is one has to happen before the other. I love that. Uh, and from a always learning, always teaching as we, uh, uh, Kyle, we drill into this all the time in conscious capitalism, which comes first, the purpose of the profit. And Donnie, we'll get back to you about uh, the profit side of things as well. But the, uh, you just talked about that. What are the intentions of, of, uh, and as, Kyle, as we have uh, businesses coming here that want to rent space from us, and you know, what are your intentions? And long, Don, you said long term, and so the what are your intentions? Then, then you got to dot the i's and cross the t's, and you get the transaction in in place. I love that language. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, uh, that's a nugget for me for today. Right. Yeah, I think the uh, I think it almost gets lost in business sometimes. Is that 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 human element, and that. Uh, the businesses are really just a vehicle for us to create value for one another and, and do what we do. But at the end of the day, it's two human beings that are going to go, go lay their heads down at night that have, that have done that transaction. And what does it mean to them and to their lives and to the community that they're in and the people in their lives? And that's, I mean, that's real life. That's, that's what all of us are doing here. It's not just selling space to somebody or selling a fireplace, but what, uh, how are they going to enjoy that afterwards with their family or, or what's important to them? And I think that that really is what's important at the end of the day. It's both. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's all important. And whether it's intentions and transaction or purpose and profit, why does AF Steel, Arizona Fireplace, why, why do all these businesses exist? If not to make money, 
and then I'm going to come back to the money part. But why? Why does? Why do your businesses exist in in your heart and you and Debbie and the boys and and what? Why do you exist? Well, that's a that's a that's a that's a big question. So, yeah. <laughs> but, so, uh, so don't hurry with the answer. Just yeah. Uh, well, why do they exist? I, well, uh, assuming that I'm not crazy for a minute, because you know some people say that I I enjoy work, but and it's not a. I know it sounds corny. It's not really the money thing because that happens as a result of doing good things. It doesn't always happen, but, but that's that you don't worry about that first. That's not, Hey, how can I make another, an extra buck? That's just never results um, properly. It's not the, that's not the way to do it. Um, but why do they exist? Um, I mean, it's not an easy thing to answer, Scott. I mean, they, um, from a personal standpoint, from the passion um, is, is there, you have to, you always want to strive for excellence. Maybe that's, I mean, if, if you're a psychoanalyst, you'd say, well, Don, are you just trying to, uh, trying to prove something? Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I always want to perform at the highest level. I don't always because it's, but I always try. And I, I, I really don't like mediocrity. I just, it just irritates me. You say, hey, I'm getting up this morning and I'm going to be mediocre today, by golly, and I'm going to be happy. Why? That's never been me. Um, so you have to always strive for excellence and do everything you can in your life to to get to that point uh or at least try i mean uh we all have our limitations but you can't just you can't just say well i'm going to go through the paces and then how come i didn't get that promotion how come i didn't um how come i didn't get that raise you know what i'm only going to work just hard enough to where i think the guy the guy's paying me x i'm only going to give him x not until he gives me a raise no no it's the opposite you outperform you do better and everything else happens. So people get it, me, 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 and it's, and they end up not getting anywhere. So I know that's a little bit off what your question was, but that's just from a philosophy standpoint, I want to be surrounded by excellent people and people that actually push me. And if people are mediocre, give them a chance to say, we're going to try to make you successful, but don't make me work so hard. If you're going to make me work so hard and for me to make you successful, then you're not going to be around here too much longer. Simple as that. How does that fit in? Uh, uh, I know you have a philosophy on personal responsibility, accountability. Uh, you're talking about that in the workplace, but uh, I mean, I think it goes uh, farther than that, just as uh, as human beings and how people interact with each other. I mean, I know we're talking about the, the excellent part, personal responsibility. Um, I think a lot of people, the younger generation, uh, this is maybe not going to sound too good, but they they end up being children too long, you know, what's, what's that thing in the, in the Bible? It says, I acted like a, uh, I once was a child. I used to talk like a child. I, I used to think like a child, but then when I became a man, I, I put away my childish ways. You need to grow up. You have responsibility to your family. You tell your, you know, you have a baby, you have this and that. It's not about you, you, you. It's about how can I be responsible? And I show up for work to do the best job that I can. And uh, and not just for me, but for my for my kids, for my wife, and for my own career. And so for, so that is your responsibility. And that's what a man and I use man is man and woman is that you you need to be an adult. And sometimes we give excuses to people. Uh, hey, I'm not successful because of this, because of that. Well, I don't like excuses. There's usually a reason why you're not being successful. There might be some things that that you get kicked in the teeth, that's not your fault, because that's happened to me in business uh, a couple of times. But generally speaking, um, 
uh, most most of your problems are self-inflicted. And these days, people do not take that personal responsibility. And that's something that really, I remind people when they're not, you know, they don't show up on a Monday morning because uh, they're out till two o'clock Sunday night and they let the whole team down. Um, I told the people at work, I said, have one of the name of all the people that doesn't show up on Monday. And they, they said, Keith, said, dad, you can't do that. I go, no, I want to do that. I did it one week, one Monday morning. I said, hey, this is Don, the owner. You know, we have 300 people. And, and, and uh, I said, I just want to make sure you're okay because you didn't show up to say, today. And I, and I figured that you must really be sick this Monday morning. <laughs> now, I did that one Monday and I, and I got ragged on about that a little bit. But, but the message was sent is that, listen, you're responsible. Um, you know, whatever you do on Sunday is, is your business, but you need to be at work on Monday morning. And, and don't be 15 minutes late. Be there on time. And, you know, that's being responsible. That's being an adult. And that's the one thing I say. People need to act like adults, not like kids. Just want to drill on that a little. As uh, Donnie, over lunch and we were talking about you were very people-focused. And, I, and I, knowing you personally, I know you care about people. And related at Max 6, and if you look, there's a poster on our wall here. One of our core values is love people. What does that mean? And in Conscious Capitalism, we talk about running a business on love. People get confused by that running a business on love. And I think you love all your employees in your business, but there's something called tough love as well. That is loving people and running a business on love doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. There's still a discipline that is required. And I think in parenting, we, we, as you've got kids, we, we learn this and that it, it's a tough balance for a, a business leader to, I love you, but uh, I love you so much that there's these expectations that, that have to be there. And that's, that's, uh, I think that's the balance you're, uh, uh, you're describing here. I kind of listening, and it sounded kind of harsh, but it's uh, it's not. I think you're uh, you're saying and doing those things just like raising kids, and sometimes raising a business is like raising kids. Is that uh, we need both? Yes, I love you, but for this business to perform, for me to be the right leader, and this business perform, and then you get paid, and you get your bonuses and everything else, we need to have have both sides of it. This is what's so tough about being a business leader is finding those right balances and in, in, in all of those. Uh, things. Yeah. Well, ultimately people have to make their own personal decisions on how they conduct their lives. So they have to show up to work, but but I, you can't, they're still responsible. I guess there is free will involved, right? You're, you're free to make good decisions. You're free to make bad decisions. I'm not, uh, I believe in America and freedom and all that. So I'm not going to be one to dictate how you're supposed to live your life. I will point out things that are not going to be good for and from my experience long term, but I'm not, but, and, and, and if, but to dictate, Hey, you have to do this, this, or this in your private life, that's ultimately up to you. But if it affects the business, I do have a say in that. Um, I can't say, well, you know, even when we go into the, the mandates and all that, they asked me about the, you know, we have 300 employees. What does that mean? I said, I'm not going to force, I said, I, I took the vaccine. I'm not going to force it. Uh, I'm not going to, it's not my job to, into people's private lives it's a personal thing i'll deal with the government if that becomes something that's but that's just how it's i'm not you're responsible for your personal life a responsibility but my job is to protect people at work and uh, make sure that you don't show up on drugs and you hurt somebody because then then i am responsible and i take that very seriously like a like a, a dad or a mom would in their household when you come into someone's house you're not the boss the mom and dad are the boss and it's no right. different than at work we're touching on elements of what I'd call uh, the culture of the business. I'm curious if I asked you to describe the culture 
of of your business. Is this it? Is there, I mean, how would you articulate? What is it like to show up to work there? Well, actually, uh, despite maybe some of my comments, uh, we actually do have a lot of fun. And actually, um, uh, we do we do laugh. It's work. It's it's serious, but um, I want people to be empowered. We don't we we're not the the heavy thumb. Like there's always a tendency to uh, whether it's government or whatever, it's just to be real you know, to squash people's I guess em- empowerment, creativity. And when you say you do this, 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 or else, well, they're not not incentivized to help fix any problems. These people in the front line know if there's a problem in the company, if things are getting shipped out late whatever they know. So you empower them and say, Hey, Hey, I, I'm just, I'm just a guy in the office there. What, what's going on here? What, what's the problem and how do we fix it? You know what the smile they got? Well, I'm glad you asked. I was afraid that even, so, so done, we do this, this, this. And what they say, I mean, nine and a half out of 10 times is absolutely accurate. Uh, and so it's actually what we think is a big problem. It's actually a very simple one. Uh, you might have to make sure there's not personalities involved when trying to go after the other, but uh, but the people uh, are your, I know it's corny, they are your strength. They have the answers. You have to just ask them and empower them. And it is kind of, it's fascinating how the, how they get lit up where they love it. When they say, okay, he asked me my opinion. Well, of course they'd like it. So why wouldn't we ask him? But sometimes we get all hung up on, well, I got to ask the manager to find out what's wrong. No, you go right to the line staff and say, hey, what's what's going on here? And boom, they tell you. So the culture is I want everyone has a voice. There's no uh, hierarchy where that you know whether it's someone cleaning the offices. I mean, I'll, you know, I know their names and I, I'll say hi to them. I doesn't. I don't care what your standing is. I don't believe in standing. I believe in if you're a good person or not, and if I like you or not, and I like you if you're if you got goodness, you got a good heart, you care about the company. I don't care what your job is. You're you're important to me. I, I, I just, I, I love it, Donnie. You know, I've had many conversations in many different places about this and the way you care about business and care about the people working for you is, uh, as we were before lunch and uh, uh, with Catherine, her son, Terrence, uh, works for you. And uh, uh, you're a magnet for good people. And uh, I mean, you pay them. There's a, trans- there's a transaction with all your employees. Uh, but my guess is, as I learn more and more about you, is, is, uh, your business is a magnet for good people that uh, you, you let them uh, be themselves and uh, they're not just cogs in a wheel uh, to you. That's, that's got to be uh, part of the success of what's going on, uh, uh, going on, being that magnet for good people. Well, well, thanks for saying that. I, I think that's partly. And I think the other thing is, is that because the Keith and Chris, uh, my sons, um, have the similar attitude and treat people similarly, that doesn't mean that they're easy, but they're, they respect people that they attract other young people and, and, and talented young people is why they, our company, we always say our company is, you know, 40 years old. It's an old company, but it has a, a young heart. The, the security, the, the financial security of an old company, but it has the feeling of a brand new startup company. And, and these young 30-year-olds are not going to go to work for a 66-year-old Don Richardson. I mean, they might say, hey, that guy's not such a bad guy, but man, what's he going to do? And five, six, seven years. That guy's, that guy's history. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully I'm around longer, but, but the young, but you have Keith and Chris and, and then their group. And then that attracts other talented people. All of a sudden they go, man, you guys, you guys got all this energy. Well, it's not because of me. 
And so, so part of the reason for the growth is that, is that we have a lot of young talent and they see the future for their families. And they say, hey, I'm going to, this is a great opportunity. It's a good company. And, and it's not like the old guy's, the old man's going to retire and sell. It's a legacy company. And they go, you know what? I'm going to, I think I'm going to put my, put my feet down on this, uh, this company and, and uh, see if I can make a go of it here. It's a great opportunity. So then, because good people have lots of choices. They can go anywhere. So how do you how do you retain them or how do you say hey give us a shot and they so that goes to the goodness too so it attracts good people um, motivated people people who want excellence like I said earlier and then all of a sudden the company grows and hopefully that culture grows with it as far as excellence and personal responsibility and let's 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 have some fun and and you, you have fun being successful you have fun being excellent. You do not have fun being mediocre. You don't have fun losing. There are times when you get your, you know, what kicked, and that's part of life. But you want to get out of that, and you want to put, you want to score those points, and that's when life gets fun. You go, just give me the ball, coach. I want to keep at it, and it just generates a lot of excitement. So, I, I as uh, I'm going to shift themes here, and sorry, I, I, I know Donnie. I've heard so many stories, and I want to, I, I just as. You're a family business. We have Don Richards is sitting here, and and you're the CEO, and you're the dad of the company, and I'm the dad of our our, our company. But uh, you've you've had Debbie has worked in the business, uh, your wife, and the uh, Keith and Chris, and that's tough to do as as a family business. And, and I, I've seen other families that are in business, and it can tear a family apart because there's such challenges that are that are there. And and uh, not only that, you're. Uh, you're you're looking forward and and longer term transitions and uh, I just uh, over lunch and you told a river story of uh, that I think as we talk about there's there's life and there's business and so Donnie take it wherever you want but I think that 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 river story and and uh, leadership and transitions and and how how that's worked into your uh, uh, into your business I think is all an interesting uh, theme here yeah, well well thanks well part part of the problem is people like me or let's say that the entrepreneurial guy the the founder a lot of times there's a there's a thing called ego involved and they think you know they've always been the main guy so the mistake that guys like me normally make would they especially with extremely capable kids which I'm blessed to have is is we don't know when to when to stop being the guy in the front and and uh, and allow the other one other next generation to take over cuz You've heard this story about, you know, it, when they want to make change, technology, and, and the old guy said, you know, gosh darn it, I've done this for 35 years, and I'm not going to change. Well, that, that's death to a company, right? So that's the old guy in the way. And so real quick river story, um, I, we do the Grand Canyon Rivers. We have um, six Grand Canyon rafts, and I was, I was trained in the early 90s, trained the boys uh, along, but I was always the lead guy in all the rapids. They're huge rapids, and there's a one rap at the beginning of the trip. It's a 16-day trip. It's a class 10, which is a five on other rivers, and it's called House Rock. And this thing is is a tough one. And it's we always take the rough the the rough road into it, the rough line, always, just because that's how we were trained, not the easy way. Well, this looked extremely bad one time for me, extremely dangerous. I go, man, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And we're scouting because it's one of those kind of rapids. Well, Keith and Chris and I are scouting because we're the and they said, well, Dad, we see it. I go, I'm not seeing the line. I don't want to flip. I don't want people to get hurt. And uh, so they're scouting. And so then Chris, they, I hear the, see those guys talking in the background. And they come up to me respectfully. And, and Chris said, hey, Dad, we want to um, run something by you. Keith sees it. Let him go 
first. I'll run behind him because the first, the best guy goes first, second best goes second, third best goes last to run sweep because there's no one to help the last guy. And so he says, oh, Keith, go first. I go second. We protect three, four, and five boats, and we'll have you run sweep. And I stopped, and I looked back and forth, looked at the boys, and they were quiet, waiting for me to answer. And, and I says, is something, ha- is this a moment? Is something <laughs> happening here? And they said, well, maybe. And so, uh, so sure enough, so we did it and uh, went through it and successfully. And I've never let in one rapid ever since. And it was, that was over 10 years ago. So it was a moment. And sometimes people like me who have always been in the front don't want to give that position up. And that is a very, very bad decision. So luckily, <clears throat> the river taught me that, hey, I like being sweep. I like being in the back. I can nudge the rudder this way and that way. And, and they like me in the back because I'm not leading the company. But if they say, hey, you know, if they have a question for me, they know I'm on the trip. And I told them, I said, hey, said whenever, <clears throat> whenever you want me off the trip, that's going to be a sad day. But in the meantime, I'm very happy running sweep. And, uh, and keep me there as long as, you, as long as you need me, please. And that's the analogy. So in, in business, the same way, transitions, you hear all these horror stories about one generation to the next is, is awful and it tears a family apart. In our particular case, it's probably the biggest blessing of all is that <clears throat> that has been a very good transition and I'm very happy about it. It's probably one of the happiest things and the biggest positives in the stage of my life right now is that that, that has happened uh, without not only with not being tearing the family apart, it actually is 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 the right thing, the proper thing. The family is is tighter than ever right now. Are you running sweep in the businesses right now? Uh, exactly. In fact, uh, sometimes I want to know, hey, hey, is there anything you guys want me to do? And if it was the river analogy, hey, can I clean out the latrine? Can what? So tell me what? <laughs> can I change the toilet paper? Tell me what you want to do. So no, it's uh, I run. They, they'll come and ask me a question here, or there, and and it's not because they don't know. They actually already come up pretty much with the right decision, but just me saying, yeah, that's, that sounds great. And it's very, it's not that often, but they like me there. It's just, it's just a, a Linus blanket back there, but they do not need me to lead. They do not lead, need me to be in the front. And in fact, if I was in the front, it would create all kinds of problems and I don't even want to be there. And, and actually I'm not capable of being in the front anymore. And that's, and that's okay with me. And that's a good thing. And that's how, as it should. What's, uh, as you describe that, and Kyle asked you to, as Kyle and I are exactly that same position, where I am shifting to sweep, and Kyle is the guy, and and he's better at it than uh, than I am, and and the challenge I have, where I all my life I've been a doer, I've been a make things happen, and I think Donnie, you're a little bit the same. It's tough to back off and and uh, and let other people uh, do things, but that's the role that we have right now. And, and both as, a, as an opportunity. I'm very good with uh, big opportunities and big problems, but how do I back off? Because if I leap in to do it all, then uh, uh, that's just not the right thing. But it's a, it's a challenge. Kyle, what's, what's, what's your experience uh, uh, as, as, as we're in the process of, uh, of doing that? Because it's a challenge for you, I know. And I, I, I have some insight I know from for Keith and Chris, it's a challenge for them from time to time. Uh, I hear rumors from time to time. But. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it's... it's uh... It's a unique relationship that I think a lot of people don't experience in business is working with family and, and just the, uh, the thing that we talked about from day one is that relationship is the most important. And so if we ever get to an impasse or a place where 
whatever business decision, we're not on the same page and, and, and uh, it starts to affect the other relationship. We take the other head off. We're not doing that. The family is the most important. And there hasn't really been anything totally crazy where you and I have, from outward appearances, people think that we're, you know, we can go at it sometimes, but I think that's just because we're direct with each other. And I think it comes down to that trust that we had talked about before to when somebody says, I see the line and to know that that person's got it, to know that that person's going to take it and can take it to where, where we all want to go and to be able to make that, that handoff, that transition in either direction. I think that's what, uh, that's what we're definitely, what we're working through right now is, is, uh, how do we make that handoff? How do we make it as seamless for people that we work with all over the place that have, you know, they don't have to know about any of this. It's just a seamless, great relationship, great experience from anybody that we're serving in the business. And so how do we then make this happen so that, uh, I can now take this and grow it into something that, that it isn't right now, but it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just unique challenges to, I think the relationship part of it. But it, it seems like, uh, there's a, it's a, it's a natural, if you allow it to happen, it's, it is a natural, the timing is natural. I mean, in the river story, I think everyone else on their trip already knew that Keith and Chris were better. It's not about being, it's not a negative on my part. It was just that the timing was right. And so when they assumed the reins, I think there's probably a lot of relief by a lot of people, as opposed to Don wanting to, Don's going to lead us into this thing and he's going to, he's going to wreck us, you know, and that's not what they thought, but, but it was a natural thing. I call it the law of the playground. When you're in sixth grade and you're picking teams, you know, there's no politicking, you know, who's who, you know, my biggest adversary might be the best athlete. He might be chasing my girlfriend. I don't know, but I get first pick. I'm going to pick that guy because I want to win. I don't care. You know, I'll deal with the girlfriend and him later, but I want to win. So, so it's a, you know, exactly the pecking order on who's who and what's what. And so it's a natural timing. So if, if Keith was not capable to lead the, lead us into that rapid, um, it would have been a false, a false thing, but of course he was ready. He actually was probably ready a couple trips ago. So I'm not saying that it was perfect timing, but it, at that moment was that moment where it was everyone knew it and everyone was happy about it. There's something similar that goes on as uh, Max, Six, Kyle, and I we invest in lots of other uh, other businesses, and uh, in the uh, angel investment venture capital, there's something known as founder syndrome. That it's not an age thing is. Uh, uh, it can be, but in, in uh, sort of earlier stage companies and the founder of a company doesn't know when to get out of the way. And so a conversation we have and uh, other investors have is uh, with, okay, I'm, I'm talking to you, Donnie, and you've started this company and it's your baby and your passion. We say, are you the right person to lead this company from this point forward? And oftentimes the founder is not because they had a set of skill sets to get it from here to here, but they're, uh, they're not the right person to take it. We need to hire somebody else to come and be the CEO and you'll be the visionary, you'll be something else. So this is what you're going through is, uh, you know, certainly as, as we get older, a new generation comes in, but it's a very common business thing that uh, uh, people need to know when to get out of the way. And, and uh, you know, what's uh, some people just, they, they're serial entrepreneurs. I start companies, I don't finish companies. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else is better at, uh, better at that. Yeah. Well, we all have to deal with it. I'm, um, it's, it's never easy. It's different for every family. Every uh, dynamics are different uh, for everyone. But I'm just uh, so we're we're in that 
in that process, but I'm uh, I'm very happy with my position. And actually, my wife likes it too because I don't uh, well, I don't stress. I don't even like the word stress. Um, but the the day to day pressure. My job now I enjoy. Uh, I don't there's, I don't worry about things. Uh, I still work very hard though. And uh, and sometimes Debbie says, "How can you work so hard?" I said, "Well, I I enjoy it. It's not not because things are are bad. Not because the kids are not uh, doing their job. It's because I I." Maybe I want to still feel worthwhile, but I don't have to be that lead guy. I want to still feel important. Right. But, but we are taking more time off, as I know you are, Scott. <laughs> so that's yeah. good. <laughs> and we like to travel together, so that's good. Yeah, that's true. So what, is it, what does it look like for you in the future, for uh, Keith and Chris, for AZ Fireplace? I mean, it's, uh, there's been all kinds of transition that we've been talking about from in the uh, garage selling nails to fireplaces to what it is now to what is, I mean, what does it look like in the future? Well, what's interesting is that I would say one other thing that made it successful as far as the, the, the boys is that there's neither of them report to each other. And, you know, we have multiple buildings and we say that I'm in the building between the two boys and of course, and they're, they're like best friends, but Chris runs the, um, Modern Flames Grand Canyon area. And so he has his future planned uh, for that company and its strategy. And then in Keith with Arizona Fireplaces and AF Distributors, um, which, you know, it's a sprawling company. So he has his strategy. Um, I've been focused a little bit more on AF Steel, although we have a very strong leader there in Bill DeHaven, who is the president of that company. But so the future, um, if what I'd like is that, is that if you have different, different trees or different plants in pots and we, and we keep, and we put these plants or trees in a bigger pot and, and one tree is not really reliant on the other, although they're still similar. Each one is able to, to grow and its own natural uh, pace. And that's where we're at. So the future is not specifically up to me. It's up, up to the, the boys. And, and they, they say, Hey, Hey dad, you and mom have pro- provided this foundation we have to be good stewards of that foundation, and it's uh, um, incumbent of us to to do good things on that foundation and where it takes us. Um, we want to grow the company, but we want to do good things along the way, and and that's where we're at. So where where we're going to go is is up to them, and I'm very very uh, um, comfortable in that. Good for you, the steel fabrication. Is, is you have dramatically invested in and increasing your capacity in fabricated steel. Fabricating steel has to be a very tough and competitive business, but you've gone all in on it. And so wh- what's your edge? What are, you, what are you doing? What do you see that maybe others haven't seen as, uh, as you, you've, you've made a big investment in, uh, in fabricated steel and uh, you're seeing some real success there that... Uh, I just I, I know there's some some interesting things you're doing that's different from others, but uh, what do you see there? Well, I guess so. So two points. One is is why why you're in the middle of COVID, or why in 2019 and then in uh, 2020 in particular, why did we? As I was signing that uh, with Esther, the 20 year lease at that moment in time, which was May of 2020, and the world We're in the was the thick of things. Yeah. yeah why did we, you know, maybe, maybe my hand was shaking a little bit on that, on that sign of the lease, but no, we're going, we're going forward. And the reason is that, first of all, I believe in Arizona. I, I uh, believed in our administration at that time, as far as the, the economy and, and the, the pro business that uh, Trump and his guys were. And so 
to to spend that kind of working capital, go forward long term. I had I believe in America. I believe in freedom. I believe in in entrepreneurship and capitalism. And and we're a family. We're not some um, faceless corporation. And we have feelings. We have risk. We get nervous. But we're going forward. And and we're and so what happened is the capacity for steel real quick was business was so busy in town that. Uh, Structural steel fabricators existing there and their good companies were overmaxed. And we had a facility that we we were we couldn't increase our capacity. So so we went in, it was going to be a year and a half project. It's now done. And you think about it, if we had waited, because everyone was saying, waiting, COVID, wait, we would just be start breaking ground now and it would be a year and a half from now. And you know, the economy with inflation, inflation, scarcity, there's all kinds of other problems that are going on right now. But we went forward. So so the structural steel, the, the big distribution centers on the west side of town off the 303 is big, you know, from 300,000 square feet up to a million plus, you know, the Amazon buildings, the uh, Lager House, the Red Bull, all these distribution centers are all coming to the, to the west side and there's massive amount of steels. And there just wasn't enough capacity in town. So we lucked out in that we provided capacity to the general contractors right when they were begging for it. And it had nothing to do with other competitors being good or bad. It's like we had those, there was only 10 marbles on the table. And we decided, well, we, we, we're not taking any marbles. We, we want to add four more marbles to the table. And, uh, and so it didn't affect anyone in a negative way. And it actually uh, helped the contractors. So now there's 14 marbles on the table. And that's what capitalism is all about is to, is and that's what really made America great is, is it's not, taking from other people, it's, it's growing the economy. And, and, and that's how America expanded into the West and all that, it goes on. And so that in a small way, that's exactly what happened out here with our little, a little factory. <laughs> uh, we increased the capacity and we added more marbles. Don't say that they fell out of my head. Okay. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you separately about, uh, about that. <laughs> You've done a lot of high tech stuff out there too, though. Yeah, well, well, you have to be competitive. So how do you handle um, uh, millions and millions of pounds of steel? Um, you don't have human beings pushed around. So a, part of the big commitment was not just the building, but was the, um, the equipment. A couple million dollars worth of high-tech equipment, automated beam lines, robotics. There's a robotic arm that I, I, it looks like something you would see in Detroit in a, in a car factory. This thing is almost like something out of a, one of these these science fiction movies it's it's fantastic and um and then we, you know same way on the plasma machine that's this arm that moves around 14 cranes through this factory it looks like a, an aircraft carrier actually it's a uh, people will see it but it, so we invested the right equipment to do the job efficiently uh, economically um uh to where we could provide provide the end product at a competitive price and and still still make make a little money because you have to have a return on that but we're very proud of that, and still gearing up. I would say that the if it was aircraft carrier, it's it's past sea trials, but we haven't we haven't engaged the enemy to to get all the jets going off and landing them at the same time. Uh, it's it, we're we're going through those uh, those cycles, so it's it's kind of fifty um, percent right now, and it, and but we're going to put up the RPM and uh, and and put out some tonnage, and it's going to be it's exciting actually. Yeah. I mean who. In Arizona and only in America can 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 a normal family from I'm gonna say 
lower middle income from Pomona, and I'm not saying this is about me, but just why the the mobility in America we have to protect because uh, this wasn't something it wasn't something that was inherited, and it wasn't because I'm super smart. It's nothing to do with me, but it has to do with with how our system is, how America was set up to have um, movement up and down from, for all people. Doesn't mean that you're going to guarantee success or guarantee failure, but you're not held back for because of um, because of race, because of uh, uh, economic standing. It has to do with excellence. It has to do with maybe some risk taking and sometimes getting your you know what kicked a few times. So a guy out of his garage selling nails, and now we're we got robotic beamline arms and uh, and there and it's and it's I'd love to say it was B, but it's, it's we have a lot of talent. It goes back to the talent. You have to have good people. You have to know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to be successful. So there's a lot of things that work, but but the system of America and our constitution and how they set this company, this country up, uh, is still the foundational thing that we have to protect. And that is really the how this happened in the big picture, not just some little guy from Pomona. I want to come tour your shop at some point and see your fun robotic arms and and cool stuff. I mean, we've got our manufacturing uh, shop up the way here and there's I mean it's it's one of the most fun tours you could do around here because you can just there's something different between there's all kinds of cool stuff happening right out in the space in front of us but I can't look into someone's computer and see what they're working on you can see it touch it feel it and just I mean I think there's something visceral about uh seeing something actually getting made that's just it's so cool I you know, it'd be an awesome experience. Well, it would be. A, it's a fun tour. And I guess that is my official sweep job, you know, on, on the river is I am the tour guide. Tour so guide. I, I am the Walmart greeter and I'm the tour guide and I absolutely love to do it. So uh, so just tell me when I, I've got my hat, I've got my follow me sign and away we go. Are, are you going to do an official flag raising out there at some point in time still? Yeah. I, I well, heard rumors. Yeah. Just... I, we obviously we have the, the flag up there now, but we have the official ceremony. We, uh, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll happen here in the next uh, probably 60, 90 days. Okay. Absolutely. I think what you, what you touched on there too, or what you, the point you made about the marbles is just, that is conscious capitalism. That is what we're talking about here. And that, the foundation of business is not to take something from somebody else, but to create more of something for more people. I mean, that's a, that's that's all that it is. That uh, why do we have people on this show? Is to tell stories like that and to tell analogies uh, and anecdotes, like creating the steel fabrication plant in a time that seems crazy to so many other people, so that we can create more for others. How do we get that message into more people's heads? Because I think the narrative about business and too many of them is that it's to take from others so that you can have more. And that's just not the case. That's not what business is. No, that, 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 that's true. And actually, the, 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 the sandbox that you create, that you even like the other fabricators, um, we have a lot of respect for them. And uh, they're also, they might be a little concerned about the facility, but they're not threatened. There's so much work for everybody. And we all play in the same sandbox and we don't. Uh, the word predatory should never come into anyone's vocabulary in business because a predatory, what, what you try to eat uh, someone else up, it will come back and it'll, it'll bite you. Um, not saying that business isn't tough and you have to be competitive. Uh, like I said before, you have to compete, but you compete because you're better. 
that ultimately, in fact, we say, well, we don't worry about our competitors. We keep an eye on them, but we need to keep an eye on ourselves because if if we're not that good, um, it's going to be inevitable that, that we're we're not going to win. Uh, we're not going to get get our share. But but excellence, hey, mediocrity still doesn't work, does it? No, <laughs> we talked about that. It never works. Never has. Never will. Yeah. As he, he, earlier in the conversation, you talk about long term and relationships and uh, kind of why we're together, and then there's the transaction. That's part of it too. Is that. It can seem the right answer if all of your if all you're looking at is the short term to take marbles from somebody else. The equation makes perfect sense on paper in in that instance. But if you're looking like you said, if you're trying to eat somebody else, they're going to eat you too over over a long enough period of time. If you do good by enough people over a long enough period of time, you do better as well. And that equation isn't just what's on paper quarterly. It's what is the lifetime experience of this business for all of my stakeholders? And I, it, it's all long-term. This was, it's, it's long-term and a world of abundance, as you were telling the marbles, and in an economy that is growing and long-term, this U.S. economy has grown and will grow, is approaching it from a, from a, from a, if, if it's a, if from approaching from scarcity, there will only ever be so much steel to be fabricated and, and my share is going to come from somebody else's share. Versus this world of abundance that we truly live in, this uh, free enterprise capitalism world of abundance that we live in is we don't need to worry about the competition unless hey, you need to be better. But that's all in service to our customers. So it's a long-term mindset of abundance is what allows really the win-win for all of us. I agree. And I would say one, one last thing is that keep the money in the business too, because what happens is a lot of times people, when they start being successful, they they do silly things. They buy silly things. and Banks don't like it. You know, you think about it, if someone pulled money out of the company and you go to the bank to borrow some more money and they say, well, Don, if you're pulling money out of the company, why, why should, why, you know something I don't, why, why, why should I invest? Or why, why should I take the risk? If you're going to grow, you, you lead a, a modest lifestyle. You know, you can be successful, but you don't, don't, the business is the engine. And uh, if you, if you take it out, that's actually shooting yourself in the foot. So. I'm not saying you can't take any out, but 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 that's where your strength is because there's going to be these ups and downs, and uh, when things go down, um, you want you want to get through it. And like I say, I had some ups and downs over the last uh, 40 years, and we squeaked by. I mean, the late 80s, I still learned some of these lessons. I was a young guy, and I uh, not that I spent money, we just didn't have any working capital. And man, oh man, it took me almost all the 90s to pull out of it. I said, no, I I live in the same house as 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 Keith and Chris were born in, uh, built in 1984, and, uh, and we love it there. Um, so yeah, I drive a work truck. And Keith and Chris make fun of it. It's a, it's a, does, it has power windows, though. I, you know, that was a big deal. No, it was, no but, but, but stay, keep it real. I mean, don't, you know, and then the, your people that are working, they, they see it too. They, instead of driving around with these fancy cars and all that, I'm try, I don't get it. So anyway, stay, stay true to your beliefs and, and, Keep your company strong because there's going to be some struggles and keep every bit you can in it. That was my last little nugget. That's a great point. So we have just enough time for uh, a couple more questions that I ask everybody at the end of the show here. Uh-oh. One of them has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. It's a curiosity question that we're collecting answers for. Mm. But I'm curious, what is your favorite book of all time? Well... There is a book um, that I just 
read that is now my favorite book, and it's called uh, Happiness is a Serious Problem by Dennis Prager. And first of all, Dennis Prager is, is an amazing man, but this book, um, I've given it to, uh, I'm actually uh, uh, marrying a, a couple of friends of ours in, in a couple of weeks. I do some efficiency once in a while and uh, when I get asked. Um, and uh, I gave that book to them. And uh, it's, I would recommend, it's a fast read. Um, I have to keep taking notes because there's so many little nuggets of wisdom in there. And, and yeah, at 66, I, I, I don't know anything I, I, compared to this guy. So that's my favorite book. I'm sure there's some some other ones more historical, but that would be the one that I would, if I'm going to just say one, that would, that would be it. And anyone who reads that will come away with a, uh, it, it will add to your life for sure. I got introduced to Dennis Prager through Adam Carolla. Absolutely. will read that. That's, he is a fascinating and very interesting guy. Uh, all right. So last question. Um, how do we find you? How do we find you online? Anybody that's listening, that's been interested in what we're talking about in the companies? My email address. And email, all that, website. Well, well, email is, is, you know, there we go. I keep things simple. It's, a, it's Don at ArizonaFireplaces.com. Um, they say there's only one Don there. Some people call me Papa Don. I don't know. But Don at ArizonaFireplaces.com. Um, obviously, we have uh, the websites on Arizona Fireplaces and AF Distributors and AF Steel Fab. Um, um, and then modernflames.com, grandcanningaslogs.com. Um, there's a lot, that's all the websites. Um, obviously I kind of slurred those into it, but that's, uh, lots of, lots of good brands there. And, uh, that's, uh, worthwhile companies to, uh, know and watch. So thank you to Don Richardson from Arizona Fireplaces and AF Steel Fabricators for being on the show today. And thank you for listening to Always Learning, Always Teaching with your hosts, Kyle and Scott McIntosh. Until next time, we are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive. Thank you for listening to Always Learning, Always Teaching with your hosts, Kyle and Scott McIntosh. Each episode highlights business leaders who are creating long-term win-wins for all of their stakeholders and practicing business as a force for good. To be a part of the conversation, schedule a visit with us at the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and connect with us at max6.com. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast. And now we're off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive.